This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Greetings, Embers, and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. If you would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you, those links can be found down below. If you are new here and enjoy what you are hearing or have been here and haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help the channel, but it also reminds you of every time I upload a video. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes, for once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Driving at Night Stories. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. Disclaimer, if you are not a fan of very strong language, this video will not be for you. For everyone else, listening discretion is advised. I was driving to work one Saturday evening down the interstate. I was in the middle lane and I glanced my side mirror and noticed a car catching up with me quickly. I looked over as it passed me, and in the back of this coupe was a lady banging on the window screaming for help. I sped up to them, and she noticed me and started screaming again. I got behind them and followed them, and could see him reaching back and hitting her. I called 911, and he started to speed off. As I was talking to dispatch, I caught up, and he noticed me and realized I was following them. He moved over in front of me and came to a complete stop. At that point, I didn't know if he had a gun or what, so I went around him and exited. Once he went past the overpass, I got back on and followed him, but he eventually lost me as I couldn't keep up with him. Fortunately, I was on the phone with 911 the entire time, and they had cops ready to pull him over. Eventually, they got him to pull over when I passed them. He was handcuffed on the ground, and she was sitting there. Come to find out, it was his ex, and he abducted her and was taking her to God knows where. I followed them for around 30 miles, weaving in and out of traffic and going in excess speeds of 100 miles per hour at times, just to keep up. It was definitely creepy, thinking of what he was maybe preparing to do to her. About two years ago, my buddy and I decided to go on a drive. It was a hot summer night, and we were bored out of our minds. So we picked up some cigarettes and went on a late-night drive. We decided to drive to the top of the mountain. The base of the mountain is about an hour drive from where I lived, and it takes about another hour to drive all the way to the top, where they have a restaurant and bar. This is in Norway, by the way. It was pretty late, around 3 a.m. in the morning, so we knew the bar would be closed, but we thought we could just chill on the benches, have a smoke and take in the view at first light. So we get to the base of the mountain and start driving up and around. The road twists around the mountain until we get to the top. So when you reach a turn, you can barely see around the corner. It was pitch black, darkness. Only the road was visible due to the street lights. But apart from the road, the edges of the mountainside were barely visible. We had been driving for about half an hour. Everything was pretty enjoyable. Absolutely empty roads, complete silence. It was just relaxing. 
As we turn one of the bends, I get this very uneasy feeling as I see something. Definitely a person sitting on a boulder at the edge of the road. My friend sees this as well, but keeps driving. We park the car right opposite of this figure, engine still running, and my friend calls out, Hey there, are you okay? I have to admit, I was still pretty scared, so I didn't say anything. No response. Then the figure looks up in our direction, and we get the fucking shit scared out of us. We saw that it was a woman wearing a plain white dress with very long, beautiful hair. But her face was three times the length of a normal person's face. Her eyes were completely blank, and she had a smile on her face. I swear to God, we both felt so fearful that we were completely paralyzed. We couldn't yell or even communicate. Not even a single word. It felt like we couldn't move. I don't know how he found the courage to press the gas and get the hell out of there, but I do remember that when we both got home, we had a very high fever, and we were like that for a couple more days afterwards. About two years ago, I was driving home from a family reunion pretty late at night, and the drive was about two hours. I didn't stay the night because I had to be back for work the following day. Most of the drive was on roads with dense bushes and trees on either side. The real creepy ones you see a lot in movies. Anyway, I had been driving for about 45 minutes, and I was starting to get really tired. You know how sometimes you just suddenly become really tired out of nowhere? Well, yeah, that happened to me. I knew I wasn't going to last, but I didn't come across any place that I felt I could park and safely sleep. Anyway, after it became clear to me that I wasn't going to find a place to pull up and my tiredness was not going away, I did something very questionable. I pulled over to the side of the road onto the grass behind some bushes to try and hide my car from anyone else who was going to come past. The roads weren't empty. I came across another car every few minutes or so. I made a mental note that the time was 11.22 and then fell asleep. Sometime later, I was awoken by a scratching sound. I looked at the clock. It was 11.50. The sound stopped after a few seconds because I was still extremely tired, I didn't bother looking around and simply went back to sleep. I was later awoken by the same sound, and it was now 12.40. This time, it really freaked me out, because the sound would not stop. The thought ran across my mind that it was just an animal inspecting the car. But why would it return almost an hour after it had left the previous time? I looked in my rearview mirror, and just managed to catch a glimpse of something running into the forest. Now, at that time, I thought it was the damn hook killer. You know, the one that scratched that couple's car and then slaughtered the guy when he got out to investigate? Fuck that, I thought to myself. So, I got the hell out of there. There was a bend no more than a hundred yards up the road, and as I came around it, there was a fucking car parked off the side of the road with the driver's side door opened. I slowed down just to look to see if anyone was in there. There wasn't. Then, I looked in my rearview mirror. I didn't see anything. And all of a sudden, this guy comes sprinting around the corner. He starts screaming at me, shouting stuff like, Hey, hey you, get the fuck out of your car now. I noped the fuck out of there and sped off. I never saw the guy again. So I'm driving home and it's a clear quiet night. The road is mostly empty due to it being late and I'm eager to get home and relax. As I pass one of the churches about half a mile from my house, I see a huge cylindrical object hanging in the air directly over the steeple of the church. I do a huge double take and slow my car down to a complete stop 
staring in disbelief at this massive airship just idly hanging over this church. Immediately, the first words from my mouth were, What the fuck is that? I'm no expert when it comes to airplanes or blimps, but I had seriously never seen anything like this. It was kind of a long tube with weird bent-like protrusions that acted as beacons of light. This threw odd shadows on the rest of the airship to where I couldn't make out the rest of it, aside from a strange blinking red light at the very top of it. The light was blinking at odd intervals, kind of like a radio tower. It was completely and absolutely silent, no sounds of motors or propellers. I watched it for a full minute and a half before the thing started to float, almost like a balloon would, to one side of the church. Then, without warning, it took off with incredible speed, just zero to what seemed like a thousand miles an hour in an instant. I watched as it zoomed off into the night sky. I banged a U-turn and tried to follow it for a bit, but it had disappeared into the night. I don't know what I saw. I don't understand what I saw. I watch those alien shows sometimes and see the kind of people they got to talk about the alien airships they've seen, and I can firmly say that I'm not that kind of person. I don't like talking about it in mixed company because of how weird and unbelievable the story is. I have tried rationalizing and coming up with solutions, none of which makes any sense. So. I've let it go for now. I was on I-70 in Colorado going towards Utah, pulled over at a gas station at 8 p.m. Fueling up, I noticed a couple of attractive women pumping gas. On the other side of the pump, was the man in his late 40s just staring at these young women without notice of anything else going on around him. I walk inside to go grab some food for the next few hours of driving. When I came out, I see both the younger woman's car and the older man's truck are gone. I decided to hang out at the gas station for the next hour to catch a little sleep before hitting the road again. After driving for a few hours, I was speeding heavy by the way, I pull over at yet another gas station. The young women are there getting gas and eating some food on a picnic table. It looked like they had been there for a while. I didn't see any sign of the man in the truck, but can't say I was looking very hard for it. Well, here's where it got creepy as hell. Can't say I didn't stare at them a bit. I mean, they were good-looking women. As I am watching them leave, I see in the next parking lot over, some headlights turn on, and it's the same man as before. He leaves when the women leave once again. Okay, that's a bit weird, but could just be a coincidence, as there weren't many places to pull over. I leave a few minutes later and catch up to them. Now this guy is riding their ass with his high beams on. I decided to slow down and stay at a distance behind the truck. Ten minutes or so later, the women pull over once again to most likely get this guy off their ass. With a sigh of relief, the truck keeps going and I continue on my way. About one mile down the road, the guy just pulls off to the side of the highway, so I pull off a mile or so down the road again. Sure enough, the women drive by and the guy is still following them. At this point, we are out in the middle of nowhere and too many coincidences have happened. I called the cops to alert them. In about 15 minutes, the cops pulled the guy over. I could have just seen too many horror movies that started like this and overreacted, but you never know. It's always better to be safe than sorry. My uncle kept having dreams about him driving. In his dream, he would drive around this cliff area when he would come to the sharp curve that was unguarded on the side that was so steep that it basically ran to the bottom of the mountain. When he got to this corner, his tire would suddenly just explode. Same tire, every dream. 
He would then have an out-of-body experience and watch his car drive off of the cliff, and he would fly out of the car and tumble down the hill, mangling himself the whole way down. He would then lay at the hill for five days without being found. He kept having this dream for about a month. It officially creeped him out to the point where he went to an auto repair shop to get it checked out. It turns out that there was a flaw in the exact same tire that was blowing up in his dream. That would have made the tire explode without any warning. They didn't know how much longer it would have been, but they said that he was lucky that he came in when he did. The dreams stopped after that. A couple of months later, he went to go visit my grandmama and granddad when he was driving somewhere very familiar. That's when he realized it was the exact same cliff in his dream. He stopped the car and pulled over and had stepped out to take a breather. He had taken the route before, but the cliff had never stood out before to him. Although our family is very religious, but he never really believed in it. But he swears that something out there is protecting him. When he was telling me and my sister this story, he was shaking because it still scares him to this day. He truly believes that he would have died that day. Now, my uncle will not drive at night if it can be avoided. I was driving through Montana headed east and my company had miscalculated my mileage, so I requested an emergency fuel up. I got a response with the nearest gas station that I could get approved at. It wasn't exactly close, so I turned off the main highway and headed toward my stop. It's pitch black, there's no moon, no city light, and I haven't seen any headlights for about an hour. I'm cruising down the highway and I see something in the middle of the road at the furthest extent of my headlights. So I slow down, naturally, as I approach it. When I come to pass it, I get one good glance at it and slammed on my brakes as I pass right in the middle of the highway. All I could think was, what did I just see? So I backed up looking in my mirror until I see its red silhouette in my brake lights. I pull my brakes, put on my jacket, and grab my flashlight and hop out. I walk to the back of my trailer and put my light on it, and there it was, a headless, skinless, mangled corpse. I froze and my jaw dropped. I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. I just stood there in the middle of the highway in the cold, stagnant air, the only sound is the hum of my truck 50 feet back, watching the steam rise from the pile of meat. There was no fur. There was no clothing. Just a fully intact ribcage with a mess of other miscellaneous bones attached by ligaments. I debated calling the police as the ribcage looked big enough for someone my size, but I looked at my phone and had zero cell service. The nearest town was about 50 miles out. When I put my phone away, I flashed my light around and standing at the end of the road were a handful of coyotes staring at me. Then they started coming through the fence and trotting my direction. I figured this is the part where I get back in the truck before I get into a situation. So I did and continued on my way. I still to this day do not know if it was human or not, whatever it was. And whatever had happened, I was almost a witness of. I convinced myself that it was more than likely a deer and was hit by another truck like my own at highway speeds. That would definitely do significant damage. But in retrospect, I've never seen roadkill missing its flesh before. I was lucky enough to be inside during Hurricane Sandy, even if I was without power. I got deployed to New Jersey just before that bitch Sandy showed up. For some reason, the powers that be beside it would be smart for us to have hotels in Neptune, but work in the State Emergency Operations Center in Trenton. 
The day before landfall, a co-worker, Mike, and I drove separately to Trenton, mainly because we had a van full of comm gear and no spare seats. Just before I left to go back to the hotel, I decided to grab a couple MREs from his van for when the power went out. As I was coming back into the building to give him the keys, Governor Chris Christie was walking through the atrium of the building to give a press conference. I wasn't about to barge through his entourage to give the keys back to Mike, so I asked one of the other guys who was standing outside smoking to make sure Mike got the keys to the van as soon as he was done smoking. This was at about 6 p.m. the evening before landfall, and Sandy's outer bands were just starting to show up. At 9.30 p.m. that night, I got a call from Mike asking, Hey, where'd you put those van keys? Mike ended up working late that night. He was dealing with a lot of logistical stuff. And apparently, the guy I gave the keys to didn't get them to Mike. By now, Sandy's winds were really kicking, but I told Mike I'd be there as soon as I could. When I had driven to Neptune earlier that night, I made an observation about I-195. Tons of tall trees on the sides of the road span open median in the middle. It's a good thing I noticed and remembered that. Now, I've driven in a couple of hurricanes, and it's not that big of a deal. Unless it's pitch blackout. Getting down to I-195 via the GSP wasn't bad. Some branches on the road, maybe a tree limb here or there. I'm not that stupid, so I'm only going at about 40 miles per hour in the left lane. I'm on I-195. And then it happened. I literally yelled, What the fuck? Oh my god, holy shit, fucking hell! In the pitch black of that night, with the wind howling and the rain coming down, the top of a tree appeared in front of me. Luckily, it was only about one to two feet into my lane, and the other 30 plus feet of it was completely blocking the right lane. And I wasn't driving like an idiot. Lather, rinse, repeat about another dozen times on the way to Trenton, and at least another dozen, including one on the blind corner, on the way back to Neptune. The road trip took roughly four hours that night. Google is telling me it's 48 minutes one way right now. I changed my shorts when I got back to my powerless hotel and slept for about an hour when I was awoken by a phone call saying we needed to get to work. ASAP because the president had declared the disaster. Thankfully, we only had to report to our alternate location near Neptune after that call and not Trenton. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was visiting my girlfriend several hours northwest of Montreal, and the weekend was over, so I set out driving south on Auto Route 117 from Baldur in Quebec at about 2 a.m. on a Monday morning. Anyone who has driven the road knows just how bare it is and how isolated you are. It's not abnormal to speed excessively, as there are very few police officers, no cell reception, no gas station for a 190-mile stretch, and emergency SOS phones every dozen miles or so. As mentioned, it was 2 a.m., and I was blasting down the highway, pushing my rental 2014 Hyundai Sonata to its limits. I downed two monsters and a half a gallon of water nearly two hours earlier, and, well, to ensure... I stayed awake, I held off from a bathroom break until I finally needed one. Keeping an eye out for any roads or trails, I keep spotting flashes of light in the woods. It was a clear night with a full moon, so I just kept telling myself they were probably just highway markers set too close together, and that if I pull over, there'd be no worries. 
After a good 20 minutes of stammering around, trying to not soil the seat at the Sonata I was confined to for six more hours, I slammed on the brakes. A single dirt road, barely wide enough for an Avio, but I decided to give it a shot. I was desperate. Rather than just stopping on the bare highway and doing my business, I pulled in and started to go through the trail, thanking myself for choosing the full coverage, non-fault insurance as the bushes scrape and thwarted the sides of the car, and the bottom occasionally getting caught on a rock. After a few minutes, some fog started to set in, and the trail had gotten wider but muddier. I hit the gas and got through a half-foot-deep mud pit and found a spot where I could stop and then turn around. I got out holding myself between the legs, leaving the car door open and fighting off the bugs to go pee across the trail. Oh my god. Yes. Just. Fuck. Yes. It was the best feeling in the world. I was overcome with glee and relief, but then I hear a thud. Midstream, my car door had closed. It couldn't have just been nothing as I climbed up the bank to park so the door was held open by gravity, but I shrugged my shoulders and told myself it was the wind, even though there was none. I reached in my pocket to double-check that I had the key fob, which I did, and my cell phone as well, and for some reason, I started to feel a tingling on the back of my neck, and I looked up. More road markers, but on the trail... In the fog, in the woods, there were eyes. First one pair, then three. I zipped up and ran to the car, but the car was locked. I left it unlocked and the door open. What the fuck was happening? I turn around and there's three wolves staring at me with my dress shirt sticking out of my fly. Two terrifying things. Number one, the wolves in front of me. Number two, I just tore my Hugo Boss dress shirt. I clicked the key fob button in my pocket and unlocked the door and calmly stepped in. Holy fucking shit. Finally, some sheet metal between me and the wolves. I was sweaty. I dribbled on my work pants and tore my shirt. Great. Just great. Eh, at least I was safe. I went to start the car, and it wouldn't start. Nothing. No turnover or anything. This was a brand new 2014 Sonata, and I was the first renter. I reached into my pocket and pulled out my phone after a few tries with nothing. And, as I mentioned, there's no reception, no police, almost no traffic, and I'm in the middle of a fucking ATV trail, and my car wouldn't start. What's next? Bats. That's what. Yeah, fucking bats. There were fucking bats in the car. Now I'm sitting in the car with my phone screen, unable to make a call to 911 and several bats flying around me and three wolves still outside my fucking car staring at me, making a fool of myself. Panicking, I decided to start swatting the bats. Have you ever swatted bats? This was the first for me, but man, is it disgusting. It's furry and greasy at the same time, and you feel their skin on yours too. Throw in the fact they're trying to bite and scratch you, and they can practically see in the dark. After a well-fought battle, I got enough of them on the ground that I could try and start the car again. I inched my door open a crack, reclosed it to reset the light, and tried the key again. It worked. Hell yeah, home free. I shoved it into drive, turned the wheel left, honked at the wolves, and mashed it to get the car turned around. I started back down the trail, but suddenly there's half a dozen wolves chasing me from behind, and I open the windows to get the bats out. I reach the highway with everything clamoring around, the car banging anything it could find, and bats flying out the window. Too preoccupied with the pack of wolves chasing me and the bats still flying around, I didn't notice the semi-truck headed north flew right on to the highway crossing his path, and I just missed getting hit by a mere few inches. 
I almost pissed the seat. Again. I continued to drive south, fighting off the bats at 30 miles per hour to get away from the wolves, and finally, they were gone. I closed up the windows, sped up to a speed that isn't exactly legal, trying to catch my breath to make sense out of what the hell just happened. For five hours, I drove in silence until I arrived at a parking lot near work in downtown Montreal. Bloodied with bat shit on me, smelling like urine, a torn shirt still sticking through my fly, muddy dress shoes, exhausted and panicked, I walked into the office to start my Monday morning. One night, I'm out getting gas, and after I leave, I pull up to a red light behind a beater car, and we are both turning right onto a two-lane highway. We both make the right. His car doesn't go very fast, so I head for the left lane. He blocks me. I head for the right lane. He immediately kills his signal and cuts me off again. This continues for a little while before I start getting annoyed, gun it, and go to pass him. Again, while in the process of passing, this guy takes a dive at my car, which slows me down. He's yelling at me through his window. You aren't passing me, motherfucker. And laughing maniacally. We get caught at another light, and he starts chucking stuff at my car. I check the traffic and gun it through the light. I'm sufficiently creeped out now. His car seems to be faster than I initially thought and he is keeping up with me through traffic. In desperation, I start turning off side streets, and he is following me. We get to another light, and I ask what his problem is, and he screams, literally screams, You are going to die tonight. Holy fuck. So I chuck an old coffee into his car, turn off my lights, and take the fuck off as fast as I can go. At this point, stoplights aren't a concern anymore. I want to be pulled over. I'm ripping through little towns at 100 miles per hour, in 25 and 30 mile per hour zones, and starting to lose him, finally ducking into another side street, somehow find a driveway that goes next to a garage, pulled up next to the garage, lights off, car on, and wait. One minute. Three minutes. Ten minutes. I finally get home at about 45 minutes later, white as a ghost. I call the police, I didn't have my cell at the time, and reported the guy. I never found out what happened. I never saw him again. Literally thought I was going to be murdered for absolutely nothing. Spring break, 1997, I was heading out to Houston from Lumblock and looking forward to a nice week of doing nothing. For a few stops, the drive should take about eight to nine hours. The plan was to stop in Austin for the night at a good friend's house and head out to Houston, two and a half hours away, in the morning. For the record, I'm driving an 85 Sentra hatchback. No AC, no cruise control, thanks dad. Due to work commitments, I couldn't leave Lovebach until about 6 p.m. I stopped at a friend's house for a quick bite to eat before hitting the road. It's now 7 p.m. The drive itself was very uneventful until I get to Austin. About 12.30 a.m., I reach Austin and find a bank of payphones before the era of everyone having a cell phone. I called him to say, I'm not tired, really, gonna make the short drive to Houston. He says, are you sure? It's pretty late, man. Yeah, I'm good. Um, call you in the morning when I'm in H-Town. I hang up and fill up the tank before heading out again. It's now 1 a.m. At 2.30 a.m., I reach Brenham and can barely keep my eyes open. I'm doing every trick in the book. Loud music, window open, slapping face, punching myself. Nothing's working. Just past Brenham on 290 is a combination levee and bridge, highway, designed to keep the freeway high and dry during big floods, 
The last thing I remember was closing my eyes and opening them suddenly to see my car plunging down the levee with me inside. I must have been doing 60 to 70 miles per hour when I went downhill. Luckily, the high grass kept me from either overturning and nailing the bottom of the levee. So I stopped at about 15 feet from the bottom of the levee. It's the middle of the night and no one can see my car down the embankment. No cell phone. No witnesses. Car won't start. Fuck. After a quick check on myself, I get out of the car and stumble out of the driver's side door. I start climbing up the levee to flag down someone to help. Yeah, right. People are just gonna stop when they see some Mexican-looking fellow waving his arms in the middle of nowhere at 2.45 a.m. Finally, an 18-wheeler stops and I borrow his cell phone. I call my dad, who's unsure of what to do. Thanks, Pops then call a wrecker to pull my car out. The trucker offers to wait until the wrecker arrives, but I get really creeped out just sitting there, so I say, eh, I'm good. I'll wait by the side of the road. The trucker leaves, and I'm all alone again. After a few minutes, I realize that I'll probably be waiting for an hour for the wrecker, so I decided to get back in my car and see if I can throw it in reverse. Not sure if I had an angel on my shoulder, but the car fired right up. As I threw it into reverse, it truly felt like a Christmas miracle. All the way up the embankment, I drove backwards and made it to the top by the side of the freeway. Got out and checked around. Wheels, okay. Body damage, nothing too noticeable. Engine, looks like the underneath of a lawnmower, but it all looks okay still. Belts are still belting. Let's go. Put it in first gear and I hear a wobble from the wheels. Not sure what it is, but nothing is going to stop me from making it to Houston, damn it. My top speed after that accident was at about 40 miles per hour. I reached my parents' house at about 5 a.m., tired, sore, and still a bit in shock. I told my parents what happened before I collapsed in my bed. After I woke up sometime at around noon, I went to survey the damage. I had completely stripped two of the four lug nuts off the right wheel and one lug off the left wheel. I'm damn lucky that one or both wheels didn't fly off the car after my accident. I also realized that if I had gone off 15 seconds later, my car would probably have been upside down in the creek. So yeah, never pass up a chance to sleep during a long road trip. I remember once I was heading to town to get some food with a couple of friends. We were about to head down the mountain and the car in front of us just swerves. She somehow completely swerves into the other lane and facing back towards us for a second before going backwards down a steep embankment and flipping. She disappeared into the darkness. In unison, we all said, Oh shit. And we stopped the car. Where she went, it was hard to tell how steep it was and expected the worst. Go down there and the car is perfectly upside down. Didn't even look damaged. You get closer and you could tell she was in her seat upside down and texting. People stop and we all try to get her out, but she won't come just yet. You can barely tell, but she's inside collecting all of her beer bottles and yelling not to call emergency services. Someone got the door open to an overwhelming beer smell. Eventually they and the police come. She was okay and got arrested. Another time I was driving home late at night in the rain and went through a state park. Nobody on the road at this point except me and another car coming in the other way. Out of my peripheral, I see the car go off the road and do a Dukes of Hazard maneuver into a tree. The girl hit some trees head on. Car totaled, looked deadly. Front is wrapped around a tree. One wheel is down the road. I stop. No movement or sound for a few seconds or minutes. 
I'm screaming to see if she's alive. The girl eventually moves and starts crying. I get to her and tell her to be still. Her face is covered in blood. It looks bad. I flag someone to help. He calms and talks to her while I get the fastest emergency service to that area. She ended up okay, just some bruises and a nice cut on her head that made her look like Carrie when I saw her. She doesn't remember me at all and has fond memories of the guy I flagged down to help. I know this because I happened to run into her later on in a store. About 10 minutes into my nap, I was awakened by a dog barking. I tried to ignore it, but the bark carried on for several minutes and it grew louder and closer. At this point, it became clear that he's either trying to alert me of something or he was just being a pain in the ass. So I sat up and looked out my window, and what I saw left me motionless. Standing there, inches on the other side of the glass was a man around 35 years of age. He was a large fellow, and he was barking at me. His eyes were crazy, and he was even frothing a little from his mouth. The sheer creepiness struck me, and gently, without making any sudden movements, I reached down and started my truck, and slowly started pulling away. As I was doing so, he was chasing after me, much like you would expect an angry dog, and still barking as I kept pulling away. Needless to say, I don't take naps, especially at night, on the job anymore. I was working at a restaurant as a cook. We did full menu until 11 p.m., then apps and burgers until 1 a.m. I tended to pull the solo night shift because I would walk out the door at 1.05 a.m. and the kitchen was stocked, cleaned, and perfect. It was a long night. Stupid, front of the house, kept sending back food orders after 1 a.m. I didn't leave until 2 a.m. 30-minute drive home, and I was exceptionally tired. I lived in the boonies of Wisconsin at the time, a good five kilometers outside of town, which was 500 people, two churches, and nine bars. I hit the little 24-7 truck stop just at the edge of town for some munchies and smokes and made the final trek home. Encountering deer was not uncommon out there, so I was going slow when what appeared before me, to my tired eyes, was a monster. It had a huge round body, this crazy long neck, a pointed head, and only two legs. Right in the middle of the road, scared the ever-loving fuck out of me in that state. Thankfully, it stood there for a second, my brain re-engaged. It's a fucking ostrich. Okay, not a monster. Just a fucking ostrich. What the fuck is an ostrich doing wandering around in central Wisconsin? I looked at it. It looked at me. I blinked. Nope, still there. Pretty sure it's real. Finally, it trundled off into the forest. What the fuck? I grabbed my cell phone and called the teeny little police station in town. It's the non-emergency number. So... I really tried, so please laugh at me and tell me to go home and sleep and ignore the call, but I'm pretty sure I just saw an ostrich on Highway XX just outside of town. She started laughing hysterically, then assured me that, no, I'm not hallucinating. There's an ostrich and emu farm on the other side of town. Guy raises them for the catch places in town for meat. Some drunk driver felt the turns of her twat went up over the berm through the fence and through most of the barn. There's still four animals, including the one I just spotted, unaccounted for. Where are you exactly, and which way did it go so we can round it up? I gave her the info, finished the last few miles home, and died in bed. Wild fucking night, man, I swear.
My most common run is in Vancouver to San Francisco. It's an easy trip most of the time, with very little challenge involved. I tend to prefer driving into the night because there's less traffic. Of course, driving around in the middle of nowhere during witching hour means I've seen my share of things. UFOs, Bigfoot, the works man. But none of that stuff has ever scared me nearly as bad as the people you see walking along the shoulder of the road far from civilization. I noticed my first one on my junior run south on the number five. It was a lady in a blue summer dress just strolling down the side of the highway underneath the full moon. Not a care in the world. Now, we were on a stretch that was miles and miles away from anything in either direction, and I was the first vehicle on the road that she'd likely seen since dusk. She didn't even look up to acknowledge me, though. Instead, she just kept on walking with a sort of vacant smile. I chalked it up to some hippie from the Oregon Trail, hopped up on something from a nearby campsite, and kept driving. But she was only the first. It's not every trip you spot them, but sometimes you see a few on a single go. It always struck me as strange because you never seem to see them during the day. Or maybe you do, but they don't stick out as much under the sun. Even so, once you know that they're there, you'll start noticing the hell out of them whenever you're driving, far from civilization in the dark. The other truckers call them moon wanderers, but I prefer shoulder walkers, since that's always where they are. Almost like trains on a track, they walk that little white line to wherever they're going. There are different shapes and sizes too. Men, women, tall, fat, ugly, pretty. Just folks like you'd see everywhere. Sure, they're creepy, but for a long time, I didn't pay them any mind beyond noticing them on occasion in the split second that any were visible as I cruised past. But one night, a few months ago, I passed by what looked like an old lady. She was in a hospital gown and looked just like someone on death row. Sunken, given up on life sort of eyes, frizzy white hair and pale skin. She was smiling just like her grandkids had called her name. Her pace was a slow shuffle along the shoulder, and just looking at her, I could imagine the sound of her hospital slippers running just over top the gravelly road. I wanted to keep driving because, well, to be honest, she gave me the willies. But hell, she reminded me of my own sweet grandma, God rest her soul. So I brought my big rig to a slow stop and collecting up my flashlight I keep in my glove box, stepped out of the cab. I could hear her coming before I could see her as I'd driven a few meters ahead of her due to the long stop time. Scrape, scrape, scrape. I could visualize her wrinkly feet in those hospital slippers shuffling ever onward. Quickly, I checked the Maps app on my phone and saw that the closest town to where we were was over 50 miles away. There was no way this old lady was walking that. Putting my phone in my jeans, I held up my flashlight and started walking towards the sound of her footfalls. Uh, hello, ma'am? I called out, hoping that she would speak up. No such luck. Just more scraping. My hairs were on edge now as I waited for her to enter into the dim light of my flashlight. I nearly cried out as the ghostly appearance came into view. Not because anything was different from before, just because she looked so much more sickly up close. Uh, uh, ma'am, are, are you okay? You're in the middle of nowhere, you know. She didn't say anything just kept smiling and moving steadily forward. Now my heart was beating hard. She's just senile. Senile, and she needs my help, I thought out loud. But my feet were frozen in place. They were going back to the truck, or they weren't moving at all. She was getting closer, though, and as she reached within ten feet or so, her wrinkled hands began to reach up slowly. Her fingers wiggled in my direction like a grandma reaching for her grandchild's face. She opened her mouth and didn't say anything. 
just grinned at me with pale gums. My legs gave out, and as I fell onto my side, she reached down for me with surprising speed and dexterity. Before I knew what was going on, she had her bony fingers around my ankles, and I was getting dragged down the road. Desperately, I pulled back, but her grip was superhuman, and the addition of my weight didn't seem to slow her walk in the least. She stared down at me with those beady, sunken eyes, mouth agape in a smile. I kicked at her with all the fight I had in me and luckily connected with her jaw. To my horror, it was like kicking solid concrete. But luckily she let go despite having no injury to her. I crawled backwards towards the middle of the road and she kept walking down the shoulder. Her hands fell back down to her side and her mouth closed in a tight-lipped smile. But her gaze stayed locked on mine as she slowly shuffled out of my flashlight's beam. I walked as the scraping bit by bit faded from my ears, and after what ended up being a half hour of stunned silence, I worked up the nerve to get up and go back to my rig. No sign of the lady, but when I climbed into my cab and sped down the highway, it didn't take long to catch up with her. Her eyes were still stuck on me. They probably had been the whole time as she walked away. The last I saw of her as I gunned it away was her thin, chat, smirking lips. According to some other guys I know, I'm the first to try and interact with the shoulder walker, and if God is good, I'll be the last. Since then, I've seen plenty more strolling down the highway in the pitch black. I even saw a kid once, but there ain't no way I'm ever stopping again for them, and if you're smart, you won't neither. Since that night, the shoulder walkers are always looking right at me when I drive past, which they never used to. Almost like since that old lady saw me, they all did. I'd hate to think what would have happened if I had not managed to get free. But I can rest easy knowing I've put my warning out there in public. Maybe I'll save a few folks with this story. Driving home one night from my fiancé's house, normal night on the Florida highway. It's pretty dark, not too many lights. Cruising at around 75, headed over a slight hill, just big enough that you can't see the other side. I get to the top and start making my way down the hill, and very suddenly in my headlight view, I get a giant construction vehicle with all of its lights turned off and parked in the left lane of the highway. I really, seriously pray to God that no one hit that parked construction vehicle. It was one of the ones that dig up dirt, I think, on the highway that day. I very, very narrowly avoided smacking right into the back of this thing. I don't know how the Cherokee I was driving at the time handled the sharp turn I made into the right lane to avoid the vehicle. Needless to say, I was very nearly dead. Immediately called Florida Highway Patrol and told them about it. I hope they got to it before someone got hurt, and I really hope someone at the construction company lost their job, because they could have killed multiple people. I was driving for Costco a few years back. It was around this time of year. We usually took extra toy shipments to various locations due to the holiday season. We got a call that one of our locations in rural Kentucky needed to restock their giant Spider-Man dolls. They knew I was a fast driver, so I was giving the last minute late night duty. I loaded up my truck and headed out on the 265. It was around 3 a.m. when I started to have this eerie feeling. I chalked it up to just being tired and popped a couple of no-dos. After 15 minutes later, the road started to fog up. I mean, more so than any other time before or since. 
It got to the point where I had to pull off to the side and wait. There weren't any other cars on the road, and I was ahead of time, so I figured I could wait until it cleared up a bit. About five minutes of sitting still in silence, my truck, all of a sudden, goes dead. No lights, no engine, nothing. I try my CB, but cannot get anyone on. I check my cell phone, and there is no signal. As I'm sitting there contemplating my next move, I hear what sounds like a child crying. It slowly morphed into a woman crying. Or at least that's what it sounded like to me. Now, I'm a big guy, 6 foot 3, 250 pounds, but I refuse to exit my cab. I did roll down my window and ask if anybody needed help. At that point, the crying stopped. Then, I heard what sounded like a sinister laugh. At that point, I felt like the laughter was directed at me. I rode up my window, and it seemed like the more scared I became, the louder the laugh went. Then, as soon as it started, it stopped. And just like that, my truck started back up and the fog dissipated. I drove out of there like a bat out of hell. I get to the next truck stop and pull in. I run to the bathroom and pour water on my face and ask myself, did that really just fucking happen? A lot of people that drive for a living or have done balls-to-the-wall cross-country drives can tell you about the running shadows. First time I saw them, I was on the tail end of straight 12 hours of driving. I was driving through the middle of nowhere in the desert at night. Very little light from the sky. No man made lights even on the horizon. Just the pitiful cone for my truck's headlamp. And being in the middle of the desert, it pretty much only lights up the road ahead. Nothing above ground level to catch the light. As I'm barreling along, I start to see shadow figures running alongside my truck out of the corners of my eyes, on two legs and four. All I can think about is the creepy stories you read online about shit that lives out in the desert, or the Asian ghost stories, where if you don't acknowledge the spirit, it can't harm you. So I've got my eyes glued on the road, refusing to let them flicker off to the side. I rolled my windows up, cranked up the volume on my radio, drove like that for probably an hour and a half until they slowly petered out, roughly 15 minutes outside of a little one-light town. I've had people try to carjack me, and people try to rob me after I pull over to render aid. People jump out at me on twisty mountain roads, you name it. But nothing matching that level of fear the first time I saw them. It felt like my spine was rippling like a ribbon in the wind, trying to jump clear out of the back and hide under the seat. Sleep deprivation mixed with sensory deprivation does some very strange things. This happened like four weeks ago. I was in the back seat with my sister, my mom was in the front, and my dad was driving. We were heading to Mexico, so my phone had no service, so the only thing I could do was stare out of the window. But, of course, it's night, so it's pretty hard to see anything. Anyways, we're driving, and sadly, I'm the only one looking out the window, and we're on this very lonely highway. Just a road surrounded by shrubland. Then I see the most weirdest thing. It was this human figure. Looked to be about, I don't know, 5'9", 5'11". And there was these small orbs of light on it in a very odd, organized way. There was one small orb right in the middle of its forehead. Two on its chest. Three in its stomach region. Three on each of its arms one on each palm. I couldn't see the legs, but it was just standing there, right where the asphalt began. 
I told my sister about it, and she just said, it's just probably a worker that doesn't want to get run over. I tried to agree with her, but I started to think normally on roads like this. There would be small buildings and a small light so you can see them at night. But there weren't any for miles. Then I thought, maybe someone's car broke down. But I saw zero cars on the side of the road. So I have absolutely no idea what in the hell that thing was. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true driving-at-night stories. I would like to thank the reformed members of the channel. Howler's mom, Tina Mead, Seven, Buzz Crispin, Tammy Slayton, C.A.G., Denise S., Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Normie D.W., Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Peace, love, and light to you all.